abundance. We all want more of it. Health, relationships, career, prosperity. To be human is to strive for more. There's ample advice on how to create abundance. We need to have positive thoughts and believe in ourselves. But what happens if positive thinking doesn't come naturally? Are we doomed? I'm Jill McCabe, author, entrepreneur, negative thinker turned optimist, and your host on the Thinking Vitamins podcast. For years, I struggled to believe in myself. And for years, I fell short of my goals and aspirations. Until I learned a nifty bit of neuroscience that taught me how we can all rewire our brains to have more positive thoughts, self-belief, and abundance. That's what I created Thinking Vitamins for. Thinking Vitamins are sticky ideas, mantras, and perspective shifts that retrain your brain to expect good things to happen to you. So I ask you, are you ready to boost your abundance? Let's dive in. Question, who here likes money? Who here would like more money? Money is a really important part of abundance, the ability to pay for our lives, to live the way we want, to create experiences for ourselves and our loved ones, to look after ourselves, to give to others in need. Money is a big part of abundance, and it's something that a lot of people, I would almost want to say most people struggle with to some degree. I'm currently writing a book about how to create wealth. And as part of that, I have been conducting interviews with experts on all things related to creating wealth. And one of those things is somebody's relationship with money. And in reaching out for experts, I had the good fortune of connecting with Jessa Carter. And I, I just, uh, I'm going to just tell you just a little bit about Jessica Carter, and then I'm going to, I'm going to bring her into the chat. Jessica Carter is the author of the upcoming book, Wealth and Peace, How to Avoid Taking an Unhealthy Relationship with Money to Your Grave. She has a really rich and diverse background that uh, we're going to chat with you about during this conversation. Uh, and she has gone from, I think importantly, not having uh, a great relationship with money to having one. And I really wanted her to share uh, her story and of course some ideas for you to increase your abundance with money on the show. Jessa, thank you so, so much for agreeing to be on the Thinking Vitamins podcast. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I loved our chat about the book and I couldn't wait to bring you back uh, to share some of your wisdom with the listeners on how you have gone from thinking small about money to thinking abundantly about money. Jessa, when we met, you told me an incredible story about, um, you know, your relationship with money sort of before and now. Can you share a bit of that story? Sure, sure. So that that early part uh, story place of my journey was 
um, I was raised by, came from very humble beginnings and was raised by a single mom who was doing her very best, um, you know, to make ends meet and to make sure that I never went without anything. And one of the things that was very important to her was for her to get me through college without any student loans. And that was a reflection of her own unhealthy relationship with money because she had a very big block that um, student loans basically would haunt you. And so she never wanted me to take out any student loans. So I was very fortunate that I was able to get a bachelor's degree um, and complete that without any student loans. However, um, when it came the decision came for me to go to grad school and I told my mom that I was going to go to grad school. She asked me, well, how are you going to pay for that? She said, I can't pay for that. How are you going to pay for that? I said, well, there's these things called student loans, mom. And of course she went into her, you know, negative story and she didn't want me to do that. But at that time, even, even in my twenties, my analysis of it, well, is there's there's nothing else that I can do and in two years time double to triple my salary guaranteed so those were odds that I was willing that I was willing to take that's awesome and what I love about that I listeners you might be listening to that and some of you might in your mind say, well, what's wrong with what her mother said? What's wrong with not taking a loan? I mean, that is a good thing, right? Not to take a loan. But actually, I do understand what you're saying, Jessa. And for any of you listeners who are questioning this, it is okay to invest in yourself when you believe in yourself. It is good to invest in yourself when you believe in yourself. Jessa saw this opportunity and said, hey, you know, I have a four-year undergrad degree. And I remember in our conversation, Jessa, you mentioned, like, I was overqualified for some jobs, and I was not qualified enough for others. So, I, yeah, if you want to speak to that a little bit, just for any of the listeners who, who might not understand what you mean by that, because they might go, no debt, that's great. But why do you think debt is, you know, so here you are teaching about money. But what, why do you think it's okay to be in debt when a lot of people would think debt-free is where you want to be? Yeah, I mean, well, there's 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 good debt and there's bad debt, of course. Uh, but realistically, when you're you know when you're thinking about it, and and unfortunately, I mean, even at that time, which oh my goodness, I mean, we're probably fifteen twenty, you know, fifteen twenty years ago. Even at that time, a four year degree, you know, unfortunately really wasn't going to yield a job with with very much of a salary but I did end up in that position where with my degree it was I was either overqualified for some jobs underqualified for others and so I was actually unable to find a job with a four year degree and ended up working having to go back to working in retail um, making minimum wage, essentially, um, and was lucky enough to get a, a a job managing an auto body shop, which was a little bit more than uh, minimum wage, and at least it was Monday through Friday, so I wasn't working nights and weekends. But that was that moment for me where I was like, "This is not what I envisioned for myself," and there's no like, there's no way I'm ever going to 
get ahead. Yeah. So that's where that piece comes in, right? Where you realized, hey, I'm going to invest in myself and that will help me to get ahead now. And you put a fair bit of thought into that, right? You talked about bad debt versus good debt. And I think I think you did create, you know, really, obviously you created some really good decisions for yourself. Um, but I know that you really didn't go into your next degree lightly. You really connected with what was important to you before you made that leap to take on student debt. Can you share a bit about that? Because I know you were looking at two careers and I thought that was interesting too, that you really didn't just jump in willy nilly and throw <laughs> debt around. Like you, you were careful about that decision. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I knew that, I, I knew that graduate level courses were more expensive, right. Than under undergraduate level coursework. And I wanted to make sure that I chose something that I was going to come out with a career that was going to give me some sort of guarantee of a salary. But I really struggled with an old childhood dream of potentially becoming a pharmacist. And then upon doing new research, finding the career of a physician assistant, and I really actually went back and forth between not even not nothing to do with the money, but the degree, right? The prestige that supposedly came along with it, right? Because pharmacy school would have meant a farm D, would have meant a doctorate degree, versus PA school being a master's degree. Um, and I struggled with that decision for a long time. And I was fortunate enough to have someone who was a farm D, who was young and who had recently graduated from farm D school, said. She's like, Jessa, based on your personality, she said, first of all, I really don't think you would love being a pharmacist. And I think your personality and your skill set would best be utilized as a PA. I think you would love it. And so I started shadowing uh, PAs and, and made the decision to go that direction. But there, was, but there was also a strategic decision in there at that time to not go to med school because I absolutely could have gone to med school um, based on my GPA and all of my grades and everything like that high, in high school, I absolutely could have gone to med school. And I didn't because interestingly, at that time, I had no interest in becoming an entrepreneur. And I knew to be um, really successful as a physician, you had to become an entrepreneur. But I also wasn't interested in the politic aspects of being a doctor in business. I think that's really interesting because so you ended up becoming a physician, uh, like a surgery assistant doing neuro neuroscience surgeries. You've literally been there in the room doing surgeries. And I loved what you said, because along the way, listeners, Jessa has made another transition. And I think it's, I think you clearly took the right path because it looks, or at least it seems to me like your interest in neuroscience and doing those neuroscience surgeries that you've sort of taken another angle on neuroscience and combined it with this whole creating wealth piece. Um, what was the moment or time when you realized you had to switch from being a, a surgery assistant to doing what you're doing now? Sure. So from, from being a neurosurgery physician assistant to basically now being a subconscious mind expert and a human potential expert, I, what where that came from was was actually from working as a physician assistant, having a career for some time and 
earning a six-figure salary and finding myself about about halfway into that career still living paycheck to paycheck. And you know, and and I and it's embarrassing to even say that, but it's it's truth and I think these are the things that that we need to talk about that that people need to hear. And from the outside looking in, it looked like it looked like everything was everything was peachy, right? I lived in a beautiful town home, I drove a drove a luxury car. Um, but on top of that, I was also working 60 to 80 hours a week and I was super stressed and I had no life. So there was there were there were a lot of things <laughs> um, that came into play. And and part of that initial transition was was the weight of that stress and finally reaching a breaking point after six years of working 60 to, 60 to 80 hours a week and waking up one day and saying, what are we doing, Jessa? Like this, this isn't life. This isn't living. And I had a boyfriend pass away five years prior to that. Um, and of course he was young when he passed away. So one of the biggest things I learned from that, right, is you you really put things into perspective and and you have to own the fact that life is short. So I realized that I had been slaving my life away um, and that it became very easy to hide behind my success, right? Because again, from the outside looking in, I looked happy and successful. No one would have known that I was, um, you know, had gone through this, uh, you know, loss of a loved one or that I was still living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, th those aren't the things that people talk about. And I made a leap in my career and switched into doing contract work. So I went from working 60 to 80 hours a week to only working 14 days a month and making twice the pay. I'm sure the listeners want to hear more about that, Jessa. <laughs> <laughs> so right, so so that so that was a wise decision, right? But like six about six months like into that, in the early stages of that, I was still living paycheck to paycheck. And I was like, okay, Jessa, there's a problem, right? Because clearly more money does not equal <laughs> does not equal good financial decisions. So what 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 is the problem, right? And something has to change because this is really not okay. And at that time, I was using that my newly found freedom from a time perspective, right? Um, along with some additional salary to really just be and to live life and to do what ended up being some soul searching. So I would spend my weeks off like going hiking and getting out into nature and taking dance classes, kind of some childhood pastimes and getting into um, yoga. So I was doing a lot of yoga and that was when, and I had been reading a lot as well. And so I was very early in my spiritual journey at that time as well. And I had started focusing on abundance during my yoga practice. And I mean, essentially I, I manifested um, a course called the Millionaire Mind Intensive. and it just showed up after all of this focus on, no, I want to improve my financial literacy. I want to get better with money. I'm focusing on abundance in my yoga practice and boom. One of my friends posts this picture on, on social media holding up a thing that says millionaire. All I saw was millionaire mind. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> I need some of that. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up for that. Yeah. And 
what was really incredible about that was was that was twofold. That was one of those pivotal things that shift me to do what I do now was because number one, I learned so much about the, our money blueprint and kind of where that foundational relationship with came from and and how much of that relationship is externally driven. Um, and and then it, it is it affects us from the inside out, right? Because we we have all these outside influences, but we've taken them within, and that becomes how how we respond to money. So I started investing in myself in that way, in personal growth, knowing that I wanted to become an entrepreneur and do different work in the world, and and very early on, not knowing exactly what that was. But investing in myself in a different way. And what I ended up learning and was guided to do was subconscious work. Because for me, all of the stick points around money and entrepreneurship were much deeper than just a mindset. So is a positive mindset important? Absolutely. You will never hear me say that it's not. But our patterns and our behaviors um, when it comes to anything in life, but in particularly money, are much deeper than just having a positive mindset around money. Um, because again, those, those thoughts, those patterns and those beliefs and those behaviors are stored subconsciously. And it, so it wasn't until I was guided to do that work I received guidance to do that work for others, but I realized that it was <laughs> because I had to do it for myself first. Um, and that was when things really started to, to shift very rapidly for me, um, was shifting things on a subconscious level because I was still found myself getting stuck despite significantly investing in myself to, um, to change those patterns. Okay, I love this. I love your your honesty and transparency around the process. I have gone through this process for myself and it I agree with you. It it's not like, oh, I decide to do this three months later. Yay. You know, it's all done. <laughs> um it's there's time involved, but when you realize, I mean, you did the training, you knew that our money blueprints are set as children and they run really deep. I've noticed in, yeah, they run so deep, right? And I've noticed in my work, uh, and one of the reasons I'm called to write the book about creating wealth for coaches is that, you know, I think the world is really troubled, uh, really troubled. And I think we're going to need a whole lot of people with a whole lot of good ideas, like an army of good ideas out there making the world better. And coaches behind those people are the people that, you know, coaches are the ones that help other people do better faster, right? So hmm. you work with someone like Jessa, if you want to kind of open up your ability to receive money faster, or you work with someone in the health area, if you wanted to get healthy faster, right? Um, I help people figure out their business ideas faster. We all have these different areas and we need coaches. And yet coaches struggle with receiving. 
So many coaches I know have been trained to be givers, have been trained to be doers for others, have been trained to sacrifice for others. And I have to think that your mother sacrificed so much for you. And she did such great work for you as she was a single mom and actually managed to save up enough money to put you through school is truly wow first of all to your mother uh like respect all the way and but what that also would create in you is the kind of person who would be selfless and have a hard time receiving and yet money is flow money is currency right what are some of the um and with that right because we're like money oh it's like that block so i would love for you to speak to the listeners about you know what what how can they start thinking about money differently well i i have to i have to just touch on what you just said because that's so powerful in in regards to to the giving and the receiving and i will say that was one of the biggest lessons that i had to learn very early on was um because and and not just in regards to money um but i and you're spot on i was very selfless um almost to a fault but but to receive anything money support you know financial support emotional support any kind of support for me was a no i mean i was i was one of those people who was extremely strong extremely independent and i had picked up along the way and and basically that i had to do it all alone and so I was constantly attempting to do everything alone. And I learned that it was okay to be a generous giver and also a very excellent and grateful receiver. And, and that's a big piece of, of something that I touch on with clients in my work is because it, it's so important because we can actually increase our capacity to give by increasing our capacity to receive. 100%, right? How can you be a great giver if the person, like, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't flow. We can't be amazing at giving because if we can't receive, because that means the person we're giving to can't receive what we're giving. No, we, we yeah, I love what you're saying so much. I just love it. Well, and and I actually I, I coined this term and and I teach it from this perspective of being selflessly selfish, selflessly selfish, because you you can't give from an empty cup, and so many people really sacrifice themselves. And I think as I think as women, right, we have that kind of like that mom gene and, and that very nurturing side of us. So I think we're a bit more guilty um, of it maybe than maybe than men are. But but there has to be a level of selfishness in the sense of really caring for yourself and having yourself being the top priority, because it's from that place when your cup is literally overflowing that you have so much more to give and it comes from a place of abundance rather than a place of lack. And that's something that people don't realize is sometimes overgiving is actually coming from not the best place. It's coming from a place of lack. Oh, this is uh, listeners. This is 
I really hope you're embracing these ideas in your heart because that, that ability to allow yourself to receive is actually going to model receiving for everyone. And I, you know, a lot of something I talk about a lot, Jessa, and I would love to hear your thoughts on is that, that you know, we've been taught that abundance is a zero sum game, meaning that if I have, you won't, that if I get it, someone else doesn't have it. But that's actually, the science doesn't show that. Science actually shows that abundance is a positive sum game, that the more I have, the more you will have, because we become like the people that we are around. And one example, you know, we know that there are people in the world without enough food. We also know there's enough food in the world for everyone but we don't distribute it effectively. So there, there is this idea that it's zero sum, but it's positive sum. What are your thoughts on, on that? Oh, well, I mean, the, the universe is, is infinitely abundant. And I mean, and the thing is, is there's, I mean, there are trillions, right? Trillions of dollars in, in circulation. It's, it's just that the, you know, the, the money is unevenly distributed, um, but it, but it doesn't have to be. And, and I think that we see that changing more and more. I mean, statistically, if, if you look and if you do study money, right, like there, there, the number of millionaires is, is increasing. Um, but I think it's very important. And I love that we're talking about, you know, a relationship with money, right? Because having a lot of money, right? Or having a high net worth does not mean that you have a healthy relationship with money. It doesn't mean that you're satisfied. It doesn't mean that you're happy. It doesn't mean that you're fulfilled. And there's a lot of people who, who got to that place of, of earning or making a lot of money, um, but they did it from such a place of lack. So no matter how much they have, they still have this belief of it's not enough, or they still function from a place of scarcity um, because, because they came from a place of not having to then having, but they didn't address the fear that was in between, right? And so, so there's a lot of, a lot of fear around money, a lot of trouble when it comes to feeling safe and secure, right? Money, a lot of times is, is, is people see it as, as safety and security. Um, you know, but, but that, that puts you looking outside of yourself, right? For something external to, to fulfill something on the inside, which can, which, which cannot happen. So you're, you are actually your own source of money. And um, I, I teach and I'm going to share this yeah, golden great. nugget because it's like right here. Um, so another way to look at money, there's a really incredible acronym for money, which is my own natural energy yield. My own natural energy yield. So ultimately, we each are our own individual source of every uh, of our wealth, and and that source within us and the source in the universe is completely infinite, limitless, and abundant. Um, so that is the that is the, it's referred to. I, I teach a lot of ancient teachings, and so it's referred to as like the infinite storehouse. 
And so it's actually creating from within and creating a healthy relationship with money and then, you know, and, and building it. Um, because I think most people who are on a path of wealth, most people are on that path because sure, they want some degree of a better life for themselves or their families, right? But if you're on that path and you're really seeking, you're looking to be able to contribute in a much bigger way. Oh, this is, um, thank you for that beautiful gem. I, my own natural energy yield. I think if there was ever uh, thinking vitamins, like, you know, our favorite mantras, <laughs> um, <laughs> that would, that will make it into the top 10. I think I would write that down. I'd put it on your mirror. I'd get that one going. I think that's a really powerful idea to boost abundance, to boost. And I loved what just, I loved what you said about the relationship with money, how even people who have created, you know, financial success can do it from a place of lack um, and not from a place of appreciation that can leave us, you know, like that six figure uh, paycheck that you manage to spend on a regular basis. There's a lot. I've I've had that story in the past as well. Um, I've known a lot of my clients have had that story. I think you're talking about real things happening to real people and real ways to improve your relationship with money. I want to, I know we're coming up on time, so I want to uh, thank you for coming on the show. And I also know for sure listeners are going to want to learn more about your work and how they can learn from you. Uh, where can, of course, we'll put some stuff in the show notes, but Jessa, tell us what, uh, what can our listeners do to learn more about you? Absolutely. Uh, the best place now is social. So either Facebook or Instagram, um, or even LinkedIn. Um, and you'll find my link tree there. So there's a link to my website and there's also a link to a free gift. My gift is I actually teach a science of prosperity masterclass. Beautiful. And so you can get that at her website. We will have the link in the show notes so that you can go and take that and heal your relationship with money so that you can not only start earning more money, but that you can enjoy what you have and feel abundant with it. Jessa, thank you so much for joining me today on the Thinking Items Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. Absolutely a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Thinking Vitamins podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, comment, follow, and come to thinkingvitamins.com where you can sign up to get our newsletter and additional free training. Thinking Vitamins with Jill McKay.